0: What's up everybody and uh, welcome to my channel. Um, this is, is going to be kind of interesting cause it's the first actual chat I'm doing uh, on YouTube. Uh, obviously I've done some panels and I've had some authors uh, come and do some readings, but this will be the first time I'm just having a chat. So, uh, but today I have, and I gotta make sure I'm, i starting to get it, get it down with like where my fingers need to point, but I've got Devin Madsen today, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the author of the upcoming, We ride the storm, which is right up there uh, and it's all of its gloriousness with the new Orbit cover and the original self-pub cover. Um, But uh, Devin, welcome. How are you doing this morning?
1: Oh, I'm very good. I'm glad to know I'm a guinea pig this morning (laughs) for your first ever (laughs) chat. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, 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 it's bright and early here in Australia. It's only 9 a.m. So this is my I have just gotten out of bed and done my hair face. Uh so lovely to see you all.
0: <laughs> well we're glad you're uh we're, we're or I'm glad that you're the first face that you see, except for, you know, probably your husband, and your child. So
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw them first. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. Even when yeah. I live in the middle of the book. I have not seen anybody else this morning.
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, obviously, with the times too, it's, it's, you probably don't see too many faces, you know, with social distancing and stuff. At least, at least I haven't, we've been, we've been pretty much quarantined for about three months now, since my wife, uh, she'll be 37 weeks pregnant tomorrow. So oh and, uh, what yeah, it's been, it's been a, what a, it's been an a ride.
1: It. <laughs> yeah. A we're like, you know, the, there's.
0: there's no way we could have done this you know earlier and just predicted that we were going to have a pandemic and have to be quarantined yeah
1: yeah no no that's Uh, awful poor thing it'll be over soon i guess pregnancy is not necessarily pandemic.
0: yeah exactly yeah she keeps she keeps (laughs) thinking about getting like the onesies that go you know like uh you know here i am you know born during pandemic or you know i've been in you know, in vitro or or, or whatever for, for this song, or I, I've been waiting and cooking and this is what I come out to,
1: you know, yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: yeah no, yeah, it's, it's, it's either, she's either going to be here uh, two weeks early on father's day, which is the 21st or my birthday, which is the 22nd. So it's just like, it's just all up in the air right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. The babies they come when they want
0: yeah, exactly. So, uh, so just kind of to start out, um, you know, would you mind telling me or telling the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of growing up, going through school and then how you got into writing?
1: Uh, okay. I, I am an Australian. If you can't tell by the accent, uh, I, uh, I have a pretty boring, uh, life story really childhood you know so i uh, wanted to write stories from about the age of six or seven i told my parents when i was seven that i was going to be an author my mom still has a book i wrote when i was six uh called the little sad christmas tree uh and because i couldn't write happy stories even then apparently (laughs) so it was a story of a christmas tree that uh Uh, He is growing in the woods and his mother gets cut down and taken away to be sold as the Christmas tree and he cries a lot and all the other Christmas trees laugh at him for crying so much Uh, and then he gets cut down and taken to a shop and decorated all lovely but nobody wants to buy him so he cries some more Uh, and then I ran out of pages um and so i just miraculously had him be reunited with his mother at the end i'm not sure i was trying to say something about like the afterlife there um i just (laughs) ran out of pages but um yeah so so that that's one that my parents kept for me uh and uh and it yeah it kind of didn't get much better from there i remember the other stories i remember writing in my youth was one about a dog that died and another really terrible romance where it wasn't really a romance because the uh main character wasn't looking when she crossed the road and got hit by a truck so i don't know look i i don't happy stories on my forte <laughs> i like them to be emotionally ravaging so um i got into fantasy though like i mean i've always been a fantasy reader um you know like i, I read the red bull books when i was younger uh you know i i a lot of uh, like the sort of y a sci-fi although we didn't really call it YA at the time it was just sci-fi for kids I don't know. Um, uh, I really loved those a lot Uh, but the first adult uh, fantasy book I got given when I was about 15 and that was uh, The Belgaria by David Eddings which I think is a pretty traditional um, entry point for people my age Uh, so you know that's not exactly surprising either uh and while i wouldn't go back and read it now i don't think it's aged all that well i loved it at the time you know i went oh i went from being i'm gonna be an author to i'm gonna be a fantasy author now this this is the stuff yeah this this is my dream um so yeah it's 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 not particularly exciting but there you go that's my my writing journey <laughs> you know, and then i wrote a lot i wrote a lot i didn't know any authors i didn't know like i didn't have a writing group i didn't have anything you know i sat by myself I didn't even have social media until I actually uh, you know started publishing books so all of my um, sort of developmental writing phase was done mostly by myself with the occasional uh, friend that I trusted to actually give me honest feedback so you know I just I just wrote and then I went nope that's not good enough and I'll just write it again and keep going again although the first time I thought it was amazing you know because you You think your first thing is amazing of course (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i didn't i didn't actually join kind of the community until much later uh so i didn't really know how to do anything so i just kind of did it by myself including publishing because i didn't know how to get a traditional publisher
0: but so. <laughs> <laughs> i so. to say that uh that that way of um I guess not having like a social media presence and stuff it just seems so foreign nowadays because everybody you know uses their critiques of others kind of in their community uh, or in their following or you know other writers that are kind of in the same genre mesh as them It's 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 interesting that you know because i can't really think back to a time where that wasn't a thing granted i've only really Mm. been in like the the reading scene for you know five or six years but that's you know, since Twitter and Facebook and everything was, was, you know, a mainstay. I don't, I don't, I don't even yeah. know how you would have done all this stuff through MySpace. I can't even remember how MySpace works. works. So.
1: <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think I had one. I, I don't like I, I, I had, I had MSN, you know, like, so that was my, my, my joint to my friends. So I would send, I had one particular friend who, every time I would finish a chapter, I would send it to her over MSN and she would uh, like live react uh as she read it uh she was like my uh super enthusiastic person uh and, and her boyfriend was the critiquer so he would he would read the whole book afterwards and tell me everything that was wrong with it so they were like my my, my two champions <laughs> They really kind of helped me through those early phases uh which is great but yeah that was just msn i don't know how i wouldn't i, I don't even know how i would have found uh, a writing group I, I, I don't know, I was fairly insular and, and not particularly outgoing and just also very obsessive, you know, so anything that would take me away from the time sitting writing at the computer was bad time. You know, I, w- I would sit down and write 14, 16 hours a day uh, on days that I wasn't working. And, you know, and I only worked at, the, at that time, I only worked as a waitress a couple of nights a week. So it was like really easy to just write all right. the time. <laughs> yeah. kids too. didn't have kids back then.
0: Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> it only gets more difficult.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. much harder.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I don't know if you would have been able to have a, a community on MySpace because it was you know it was like a singular thing at a time. You couldn't interact with like or at least like, if I remember correctly, you couldn't interact with multiple people at a time. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you could just throw something out there and everybody see it at once. Right. I feel like MySpace was just like the uh, it's like the early high school years where, you know, you'd throw up like a cool picture and you'd have a really cool song when people come, you know, visit your page and you would well, say like some cool. random stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it
1: was, out age here. yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, Facebook came along and it was kind of the same thing, but you could, you know, interact with a lot more people at one time and then Twitter came along and just blow all that out of the water because you can follow thousands of people and states <laughs> and just never be able to keep up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do love Twitter. I think Twitter has kind of become my, my social media home. I didn't get it for years and years. It just didn't make sense to me. And I was just sitting on Facebook, like an old person, like, yep, 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 yep. This is, this is, this is my place. I get this. This is, this is sensible. And then when I figured Twitter out and, and, you know, I actually started sort of interacting with the community. I'm like, no, no, this is, I like this. This is good. Conversation. I mean, it's not nuanced. It's got lots of problems, but just, I like the way it kind of works and has a community feel that everybody can be a part of. There's no kind of gatekeepiness to the way that Twitter works in its community, which I like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it it can become overwhelming. Like I I feel like every now and then I've got to sort of comb through my, the, who I follow because there are sometimes where the people I actually really want to see, like what they're up to or like what they've out next or stuff especially all the main authors that follow. I feel like I never see their stuff and I've just got to go search them out all individually because I've got so much fluff that just fills in my my, yeah. my 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 feed. So, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, over the past few years, I've kind of started using it more as a medium. I, I'm getting really close to just being done with Facebook because, I don't feel like anybody sees anything I put on there. So unless, unless it's like a baby or let's be honest, that that's about it. Like, you know, if, if we post, you know, we yeah. posted about it. Really,
1: you know, really
0: yeah. And, and Jonathan yeah. Boyd beats me to all of those. <laughs> so I, I, I give up, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think it's going to be Twitter and, you know, I, I do a little bit of Instagram, uh, just because of books. So, I mean, it's just another place where I can, Throw a picture of something up and just be like, "Hey, I got this. Check it out," you know. But yeah, face Facebook's dead yeah. to me, just like MySpace was dead to be years ago. Yeah. <laughs> years ago. So, so I have to know. So, uh, so at an, at an early age, why, why such a morbid story about about Christmas tree? <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, no. Okay. Just, just so everybody is clear. My parents are lovely humans. I didn't have a sad, terrible upbringing in any way. Uh, it, it was lovely. I am I kind of that, that really dull, uh, kind of middle-class outer suburbs, uh, you know, family. My parents weren't even divorced. It was like exactly kind of standard. Um, so, I don't know. I really don't know. I think it's just uh, the way my mind works. I, I find what really speaks to me isn't like happy. Like, I like happy things, right? I really like things that have happy endings and stories that are happy. Like, it's not that I don't like happy stuff, but the things that sort of speak to me deeply are the difficult things, like the emotional kind of complexities of life. That stuff really grips and like fascinates me, and clearly did from a really young age. I just didn't have sort of much emotional depth to pour from, except oh God, my mother is gone. I'm going to cry, and now people are laughing at me. That's essentially like my parents are gone, and people are laughing at me. Is essentially like the depth of awfulness I could think of when <laughs> I was six. So <laughs> you know, uh, and and I think I, I think it's just that. Like there is um, there's an episode of Doctor Who. Which one is it? Um, Blink, I think, where one of the characters says that sadness is like happiness for deep people. Um, and while I think it's a bit of an odd line in that, like, to say that you have to be deep, but it spoke to me in the sense of like, yeah, like sadness is happy to me like it's special to me it's interesting i i engage with it on a really intense level in a way that happiness doesn't do so well, i don't think you have to be deep for that to happen like but it, that particular line i went oh yeah that's me oh my god sadness is fine it's really interesting it's complex it's deep I love it so yeah i don't know i think just a bit Strange.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well see, I had a I had a chat with Nick Bartelli the other day and we were talking about how uh you know our our I guess our viewing of like television stuff has changed since the pandemic started and how uh you know we kind of go from watching all this happy stuff to kind of like shows where people spiral and like their emotions mm-hmm. just get torn down. And I kind of I hate to say I find joy in this. That's <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. what I'm mean. <laughs> But I, I kind of, I kind of enjoy watching a person spiral a little bit, especially when it's like something ridiculous, like, you know, like a getting, getting married at first sight and stuff, you know, where people, they're just so infatuated with each other for like a week and then the honeymoon phase is over and then it just goes straight down. And, and I'm just like, this is what I'm here for. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 I think, I think it's, um, I think it's validating. I think that's what it is in this case, especially to, you know we're we're going through all these really kind of complex emotions where we we look at ourselves and we go well you know we're really well off you know those of us who still have our jobs who who haven't been sick or lost really close family members we're like we know how lucky we are and yet we still feel so intensely stressed because the world is like on fire oh, and gosh. it's it's like and and you can just for no reason just suddenly be triggered into like something a little bit akin to like panic and and like hyper anxiety when nothing happened to you so when you see that like depicted on tv or in books or you know wherever you like to get your media it's really validating to be like it's not just me like this is this is normal human experience and behavior we are all like In any situation of heightened emotion, even if it is married at first sight, uh, which is, you know, a really, to me, yes, a strange thing to get hyperly emotional about. But, you know, you can't deny that those people are really like intensely connected to what's happening to them in the same way that we are intensely connected to what's happening to us, even if what's happening to us is like way more serious. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. yeah Yeah. but it's still validating to see and and also i think in that case that particular one to be able to to kind of have the humor factor of watching it be about something not serious yeah oh yeah i think that one has a double a double bit but yeah definitely the validation of the complexity and i find that when I, i i engage with these kind of media that you know is is sad or complex or or whatever that it's about you know, I have I have so many and I'm sure we all do have so many like sort of deep thoughts about life and society and difficulties and all the things that we often don't talk about either because we don't have someone we trust to talk about them or because we actually just can't put them into words yeah. um, at all, even if we have someone to talk to you. So when you see it in a book or a show or something and, and someone actually probably Puts into words that thing that you're feeling, or ha- you have a realization based on something that a character is experiencing that's deep and complex. Like that's the bit that really speaks to me, where I'm like, yes, you are helping me to understand my my inner thoughts and and complex ideas about this particular subject, even mm-hmm. if I don't necessarily agree or would never experience it or anything else. And I think that's what really grips me about media that is not just happy, you know? And apparently why I seek to do that in all of my books, even when I was sick. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, So tell me, uh, who who would you say are some of your writing influences maybe early on and maybe even now?
1: That's a really complicated one because so many of my writing influences aren't fantasy, which is weird. So I think in terms of, you know, the ones that I learned the most from in a writing capacity, the ones that I know I did so. um, Probably first and foremost was Georgette Haya, which is, uh, she was a Regency romance author, um, but not in the Regency period, so she wrote in the 1920s, 1930s, um, but about, you know, the same time as Jane Austen um but what i really like i've read her books again and again and again even though they all have happy endings (laughs) um and they are they are romances and i've never actually read very widely in the genre apart from her which is an interesting thing it's just her that really grips me um and it's her character work she has extremely extremely nuanced character work it's very there's no, there, there's no such thing as a cardboard cutout in, in the world of Georgette Heyer. Um And she does her, you know, a lot of romantic heroines tend to, or heroes even, tend to be kind of perfect. Um, and it was a thing that she did where she made it so they weren't perfect. They really had their struggles that felt real instead of kind of, I don't know, manufactured. And no matter what, she could still make you love them. You want, you, you, like you rooted for them, you wanted this to work out regardless of how much of an asshole at any point they were actually being. And it was really quite amazing. Uh, so I think I learned an awful lot about character work from uh, reading her books. She was also extremely good at subtle character based humor. Uh, which again, I think is something that I took uh, quite a lot from in my years of reading. So I read her books, I mean, I still read them occasionally, um, but I read them all very, very voraciously in kind of, I don't know, 15 to 18. And then now I come back to them whenever I need a kind of a comfort read that I've read sixty times already. Uh, <laughs> so those were really great. Um, on the same thing, Terry Pratchett. Um, again, he had that you know that great skill of the the humor being very related to the sort of the situation that he was creating. Um, you know, his was more world building humor than character humor a lot of the time I found, or a kind of societal humor. Um, but again, you know, I found that that the the juxtaposition of, of humor and serious topic, I find I, I I really that really works for me. You know, even in like the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, you know, when they went to like that, we have serious awful thing happening, and here's a joke uh, <laughs> thing that they did. That that worked for me so well. <laughs> I it's just I, I, I like that because that is actually a way that humans deal with like look at the current situation. What have we done during pandemic lockdown? Make hilarious TikTok movies and memes. That's what we've done. You know, we didn't we didn't sit there and make like serious uh, you know, we're not all making like serious poetry and, and essays on the meaning of life. No, we're getting through this by shitposting. Like that is how we work. <laughs> so I love the fact that, like this, that that is the thing that is kind of being a little bit more embraced by, by uh, you know, some of these uh, things that we can we can have humor in in very serious situations because it helps us to cope. And I think so. Terry Pratchett was really good at that. You know, here's here's this this. It's actually. All of his books are based on a really serious societal topic and then he makes it hilarious <laughs> and, and and crazy and and colorful and everybody just kind of eats it up while also eating the really serious topic and you know he was really quite amazing at that so I like that uh you know I feel like he was a bit of an influence in that regard of sort of weirdly hiding your your super secret topics <laughs> in, in in your work and making people just want to eat it a lot and not realize that that's what they're actually consuming. So that's probably like the, the, the major influences on my writing more recently. Um, uh, Kate Elliott's work uh, for a lot of the same reasons. Her world building is just amazing. So um, I, reading Black Wolves by Kate Elliott was a bit of a turning point for me in sort of the way I thought about world building. So that, you know, the, the fact that it is so, so integral because societies and the way they function can have such an effect and we can say so much by who does what job you know that kind of tiny little thing it's like who is allowed to do these jobs in the society who is expected to do that what value does a society place on this how do they get their water what all of these kinds of things are really quite integral and they say a lot you can you can say so much about a society by just a little bit of world building Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was that was a really amazing kind of okay yep that's special So, and someone else who does that really well is actually, uh, Kei her, um, uh, Gadid series, her world building and that is just amazing. She works on the value of water. The money is based on the value of water because these people live in a desert. So it's not that the money has any intrinsic value. It's that the money is a certain amount of water. It's like a token for a certain amount of water. and. The water is then so you can like spend your tokens to get other things but then you might not have enough tokens to go to the water fountain essentially and get water so it was, it is just really fascinating and like so people who can do those really amazing things with world building i just like in all i love it <laughs> i've gone on about it so long now <laughs> you all <also> have one <want> question <laughs>
0: Hey, we're all about expanding on topics, so it's fine. <laughs> um, so we do have a couple of questions, so we'll we'll get to those first. Um, so Ramon asks, uh, do you have any books translated in Spanish, and if so, do you know where they can be found?
1: I'm afraid I do not yet. I would really like that to be a thing, though. I have uh, you know seen a couple of reviews of my books around in in Spanish, and uh, so. I don't know, hopefully, that would be really nice. Poke, <laughs> poke.
0: <laughs> I, I guess that would have to be uh, probably a different publisher. I uh, would have to pick it up in a different language. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I sold uh, world rights to Orbit, so they would have to uh, unsell the rights to a publisher who would translate it into Spanish or any other language. Uh, yeah, so I, I right. got no say on this anymore
0: unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> i gotcha uh and same, yeah right and then uh and second question uh david Cleary wants to know so are you officially a full-time author or uh i guess once once maybe you get a little deeper into the traditional publishing world will you become one
1: so i am a full-time author but uh, not so much because like, yeah, not so much because like I, I make so much money that it's like the equivalent of having a day job. Um, but I was a author as a self publisher as well because um, so I kind of just weirdly transitioned from I'm a stay at home mom with little kids to uh, I am now an author who can stay at home. So you know, my partner uh, was, was able to make enough for me to stay at home with the kids. Uh, so I did that. And then, when it was kind of like, oh, now you're making a bit of money with your writing, there's not really much point in going to find a job that I have no qualifications for whatsoever, having dropped out of three university courses. Uh, so <laughs> I, it was just like, okay, well, I guess I am an incidentally full time author. Um, I mean, I have a four year old still at home, so I'm kind of. Uh, I don't know, a half-time author, I guess, in the sense that I still have to parent because he doesn't go to school yet. Uh, But once he goes to school, I guess I'm a fully full-time author. Yeah. (laughs) Fully full? I'll let you quote that term. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, my words are great. This is why I'm an author. I word good.
0: (laughs) I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, was was it Bendy that I used the other day? It was uh, oh, t- 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 remember remember reading paperback books.
1: <laughs> That's right. Indie coffee. Yep. <laughs> Indie coffee <yeah. laughs>
0: oh. Gracious. Good. I know we, we were great. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so let's talk a little bit about, um, I guess your transition from self pub to traditional. So obviously I guess it, or it may have been an overnight thing, but can you, can you speak to a little bit about to, you know, you you had a trilogy on already you started this new trilogy you had uh you know we read the storm out and you were about to release book two so i guess take it from there
1: <laughs> yeah okay well so it kind of it, it it's kind of both an overnight thing and not an overnight thing like very not an overnight thing um in that like i was not doing anything to try to attack attract the attention of of anyone i had briefly um Queried some Asians about six months earlier on a different project, um, and ended up just shelving that because I realized I, I needed to do a bit of rewriting on it and didn't have time because I was trying to finish the uh, the second book of this. Um, so yeah, it was uh, the second book was due out in. I think it was the end of March uh, in 2019, and I had finished all of the main edits on it, and it was just sort of doing its thing. And right at the end of January, I just got an email, Uh, you know, Nivea Evans from Orbit US is interested in my book. And apparently this is the second email she sent me, and I lost the first one, I don't know how. Thank you, email server. he's like you know we haven't heard back from you so just before i get in touch again um you know about that and see if you're interested and if you are sending us like a word document that we can share around the office and i'm like this is a scam some kind of <laughs> joke that people are playing on me this is terrible he, so i'm on twitter going who is this? <laughs> like, oh, she's a real human It really actually does work for orbit. Okay, all right. So you know, I I did a lot of uh, you know kind of quiet screaming. Okay, it wasn't very quiet. It was just screaming, Um, and uh, shouted at uh, Sam Hawk, who is uh, she's published by Tor, City of Lies, um, who's a good friend of mine, Um, and she just shouted back. It wasn't very helpful. It was, just, it was just, you know, mutual squeeing at this point. Um, And I thought, well, look, I don't know, nothing is probably gonna come of this. You know, you hear about like a, so many deals fall through. She's just expressing some interest. I'll send her the thing and then I'll just get on with my life. So, you know, that was the plan. Uh And then I ended up getting uh, an agent to who, who uh, that's you know there's a ridiculously hilarious story about missing emails with that one as well sadly um <laughs> i seem to lose all the important emails no, not. Do actually... not email <laughs> <laughs> yeah right or if you don't get a reply it's not always because i'm a jerk it's it's because i lose them um the, uh, julie had actually replied to one of my queries from six months earlier uh asking for the full manuscript. And I'd never got that email, so she's ended up my agent anyway uh, <laughs> through weird circumstances. Uh, and then anyway, so uh, you know, I sent her all the books. She read through them. Uh, decided that she wanted to represent me. Uh, and we just kind of then sat and waited. And now she was the one who could poke all red, and it was fine. Um, you know, nothing happened for 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 ages. Um, and so I went. Okay, I'm just going to get on with. Uh, getting this book out and then six days before the second book was due out I got uh, an email from Julie saying so they would like you to postpone the release of the second book so that they can keep everything on the table because if I release it then it's not a new release you know it's already been out so I'm like okay so there was no offer there was no deal there was no indication they were even gonna ask for it but I'm like okay all right we're kind of too deep in this now I'll, I'll pull the thing and I couldn't tell anybody why as well I had to just be like we're postponing I'm sorry everybody everything's fine but we're postponing um yeah that was really weird uh and it was about three weeks later I think when uh Julie called and she's like okay orbit are making an offer uh they would like to buy six books and I went I'm sorry what did you say they would like to buy six books. I'm like, okay. So that was the, the three books of the uh, the previous trilogy, which was already self-published. I'd self-published the first one in 2013 and the third one in 2016, um, and the three books of the Reborn Empire trilogy. And I said, I've actually that that's four books, because I it's it's not a trilogy, it's I've planned it as four books. She goes, Okay, I'll go back. So she went back and asked them for a seventh book and I'm like, oh, this is what you need an agent for, everybody, because I I I could not have written that email where I was like, actually, can I have seven? It was just no. <laughs> so, you know, they came back and, and wanted to take the seven books. Um and uh, it was a bit wild, and it took me a really long time to kind of that to settle. Into the brain, especially because I couldn't tell anyone. So, this was April last year. They didn't announce this until January of this year. So, a full year after Nivea first contacted me is when this was first uh, announced. And that whole rest of the year, 2019, I spent, I re edited, rewrite the storm, went through edits on all three books of the trilogy. Uh, and I had to do them so quickly and stacked together that I was just working nonstop and kind of losing my mind. and I couldn't talk about it. It was actually really quite difficult. you know i had a, I had a few friends that obviously they they knew and i I was able to just scream at them um but there was no a lot of way I couldn't ex- at <laughs> yeah I, I am a very can, you, can you tell I am a very uh energetically loud human for someone who it lives isolated in the bush and doesn't like people i am i am very effusive <laughs> uh, yeah so that that that's that was pretty much it It was kind of crazy so it's very not overnight and that it was a really long process uh, and even after the offer came through it was another at least two months before we signed the contract uh you know they do a lot of back and forths um we we had a a a lot of um conversation around the option clause because I write all of my books in one world Um, and so we had to be extremely sure that the wording of the option clause would mean that if they didn't want to publish the next book I wrote they couldn't stop me from doing it because it was in the same world they couldn't use the argument that it was too similar you know that kind of so we had to be extremely uh picky about the way the option clause was worded it ended up twice as long as it was originally (laughs) uh in order to make sure that um the intellectual property of my world wasn't accidentally being signed away uh with this so it took a while to kind of go through that and there was a couple of points at which there was silence for so long that i was sure it was all falling through uh even though i already had edits on the the we ride the storm, so I don't know. It it was a bit. It's a it's an intense process, um, but ultimately one of those things that you can really only dream about. Like, I wasn't trying. That shouldn't happen. You know, the people who put in so much work querying and 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 like trying to 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 break in are the ones who should be getting the agents and the publishing contracts. And so when it just kind of happens. For out of the blue, for no reason—I I mean, like I had books out. It's not like it's no reason, but it's—it mm. feels both kind of amazing and wrong, and it's an interesting feeling to sit with while you, you know, see other people in the industry struggling to even be seen. Right. So it's—it's it's an odd thing.
0: I gotcha. Yeah, you're you're talking about you know how you couldn't tell anybody. I remember. I think it was literally like right before the announcement hit uh i think i had reached out to you i think it was about book two and uh you're like so yeah uh i'm not seeing any more arcs about that i was like oh, okay so yeah i'll just i'll describe it when it comes out And you go no you, you can't <laughs> it's like literally it's not going to be there <laughs> and i go what are you talking about she goes oh, oh i can't talk about it <laughs> and i go <laughs> okay <laughs> i was That's like crazy. "It's just radio silence
1: <laughs> I was getting messages through Goodreads, going, "Where's this book? Where can I get it?" I was getting emails like, "Isn't this book supposed to come out?" Yeah. I had my pre-order cancelled, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm not you why?"
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're like, you know, I know everybody was so excited for you, even though they didn't know what to be excited for. <laughs> You're like I've got this great news but I can't say anything about it. And I'm just like, David, you got to give us something.
1: <laughs> something. <laughs> I think it's funny, though, I think it became kind of uh, reasonably obvious by the end, because I think it was a couple of months before they made the announcement. If you search for like if you went to look for my book on Amazon and you clicked on the paperback, it came up with like the Orbit cover to be released thing. And it's like, that's not subtle. Yeah, that, not that's that's really not. Subtle. <laughs> 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 so, you know, yeah. It, it, Things were there. I was on their website in like my bio and everything, so like it wasn't the greatest kept secret in in publishing ever. Uh, but there was just no proper announcement, I guess.
0: Yeah, especially for those of you know of us, just have to go search. We're on you know Orbit's website pretty consistently. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll find out before even the authors find out. You know? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. If you have eight you will find out things before we do. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: So, uh, so David Cleary's got another uh, another question, and it's kind of one I, I wanted to ask. Um, you know, you were in Spiffbo, uh, you know, with with Rerad the Storm uh, when it was self published. Do you feel like that helped at all, uh, kind of springing you to traditional? I mean, obviously, you did really well on it, um, and it's it you know it's it's become a really big competition now, especially with you know, some of the winners uh, getting traditional pub deals and so forth. But yeah, do you feel like Spifbo helped you uh, kind of in your journey?
1: Um, it's a really tough one because I think probably not in terms of getting the traditional contract. So I know uh having spoken to my editor that where she found my books being talked about and then decided to read them was on our fantasy uh so okay. on reddit forum um which would have been so there was a, a kind of a brief period um not too long after the book came out in june so probably sort of somehow in the second half of 2018 where like i was the it was the um uh the author, the local authors, um, like the Reddit authors book of the month where you know people were doing like it was a book club thing um, and there was quite a kind of a spate of, of reviews there around that. Um, so I think that's most likely uh, where it came from in, in the case of her but I think the it's it's also being in spiffbo and having the kind of i had quite a crazy spiffbo journey too because I was a sunland safety net off uh off the back of um you know because i i didn't i didn't win my group you know that was that was economics which went on to win the competition so right. uh, you know that's yeah so i I had a bit of a an odd stressful spiffbo journey anyway uh, so I'm sure the fact that it was it was doing well and being um Enjoyed uh, and talked about in the competition it certainly didn't harm me in any way mm. on this yeah. journey but Yeah, I I do, I do know for a fact that um, That she found me on on our fantasy and um, I don't think I'm the only one uh, that orbit has picked up that that's where they uh you know first heard of the books and and sort of picked them up based on the excitement uh at uh, on the reddit forum because so I'm pretty sure that's where Evan winter had an awful lot yeah. of uh love and success over on our fantasy so you know and and I think uh same with Josiah Bancroft so you know I think it's a place that they kind of lurk a bit <laughs> well, it's, it's- the right? guys is kind of picking up on if they're sort of interested in it so yeah uh, and and by the time i was in the finals you know um that was the start of january the finals had barely started when i first heard from uh from Nivea. so yeah i I don't think it was it was too instrumental in the actual getting of the contract and Nivea being interested but yeah i don't think the extra promotional help hurt in any fashion
0: i gotcha yeah yeah uh i remember i remember evan being kind of I think, I think i want to say he like is a pretty big uh not proponent but like he's really big in, in reddit fantasy uh because i think he like posted on there all the time and his book was getting a lot of uh, you know a lot of looks from it and dad and every time i got on amazon like the rage of dragons popped up you know when his self-pub cover uh, i mean it was like always like also bought you know based on whatever uh criteria and yeah, and I think along with Reddit for for Josiah, uh, just the fact that Mark was just talking about it and talking about mm. it and talking about it, because uh, yeah. I mean that that's how that's dumb. how it got on my radar. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. it's kind of nice when Mark talks the book up a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, sure. I have to say, he, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, somebody that said such a great career in writing and has written so many great books. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, it it feels, you know, almost Martin-ish at that point because, you know, obviously that's where he's gotten his kind of blurbs from. And I, you know, I know that's helped, you know, some, some people that are kind of outside of the community.
1: We have uh you know there's a Mark Lawrence blurb on the front of my book.
0: <laughs> is it on the Okay so it's not on the arc so I'll have to see the the, the No this, copy. Is, this
1: is the fancy finished version.
0: <laughs> but I yeah. say, you got your uh, you got your big box in the other day, yeah?
1: I did I did get my big box of the uh, US copy and it's 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 very lovely. Yeah. It's got a very nice line if I do say so. <laughs>
0: that's what we're always looking for as you know is the spines so <laughs> yeah <fine>. so um, <laughs> so for for the for the audience who has uh who hasn't had a chance to read we ride the storm can you tell everybody a little bit about what they can expect from the series or from book one and from the series
1: well, rewrite the Storm is, uh, I guess, especially on the face of it, uh, looks very much like a standard traditional fantasy, you know. We have three characters that we follow that are an assassin, a princess, and an honorable exiled warrior. I mean, can you get more traditional fantasy something <laughs> than that? <laughs> um but, uh, you know, I gave them all a little bit of a, a twist in, in my, you know, particular way. So my assassin uh, has an affinity for uh, dead people um, for a very strange reason. <laughs> There's some tricksy necromancy that happens in there and she has a voice in her head that she very much would like to get rid of. Uh, and My exiled warrior uh, is kind of doesn't want to be there. <laughs> So he's not the kind of warrior that's super, super happily chopping his way through things. He kind of just wants to go home um, and is is very just set on um, trying to protect his people. Uh, And my princess is super ambitious and would like to be the empress of the entire empire in her own right. So, you know, there is definitely a bit of a um, burn the patriarchy about uh, the way she uh, (laughs) looks at the world. Um, you know, which is is always a bit fun to write, I think uh because this is a society that's uh have the idea of the god emperor um and it is kind of collapsing under the weight of many wars uh very bad relationships with its neighbors um, and just internal fighting um, which actually takes is in the prequel trilogy so the, the vengeance trilogy is set 17 years earlier and is a lot of bounce that you don't have to read them in chronological order I deliberately wrote it so you could pick up the generational story anywhere and then go where you want with that so but it is it is very much uh, you know lots of battles lots of intrigue tricksy necromancy like I said uh, you know there's a lot of respectful beheading <laughs> as a as a death right but at the same time it has what for me very uh deep emotional kind of storylines about uh how I mean, especially the series, I mean, this is only the first book. So obviously you only get the start of these, these particularly kind of emotional arcs, sort of about uh, acceptance of self, uh, how far we will go for the people that we love, all of those kinds of things that really speak to me really deeply. So while it is, uh, you know, very action-packed, battley, uh, with the flashes of humor, kind of uh, epic fantasy, it, uh, it has, to me, you know, especially as you go on and follow these characters, an awful lot of heart as well.
0: So yeah, I had actually no idea that the Vengeance trilogy was kind of a prequel trilogy. I mean, obviously you say you can read them in you not chronological order, but uh, but yeah, I actually,
1: I, I was ten years old but I found that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so um for anybody who has uh read We Ride the Storm in you know either its uh, iterations, um, the prequel trilogy is uh, a lot about uh Emperor Kin and Empress Hana. Uh, so that's one of the POV characters, Miko, her the princess, uh her uh parents-ish. <laughs> Um, so it's about the civil war uh, that took place 17 years before that they were a part of. So Empress Hana is actually one of the POV characters. So I wrote it the same way. It's three first-person point of view characters, um, and she is one of the three. And then the novella that I wrote, which is the generation before again, is Iko's grandmother, so Hana's mother. So I kind of went down the female line in the generational thing. So that's a novella that is based on what happened. That you know, it, it gets referenced a lot that she's you know dead and that the family got killed, but you never really know how and what happened. So I wrote a novella about that one as well. So you can kind of read them in any order. You blow my mind a little bit
0: because you know I read instead of the <laughs> fall last year and it uh it was my top novella of the year last year. Uh and yeah. uh, it was absolutely phenomenal. And and when I was reading, I started reading We Read The Storm last week and uh I think it was her her first chapter. I started reading it and I go, this kind of feels a little similar. No wonder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Empress Lee in the novella is Niko's grandmother. Yeah. So Empress Hanna's mother. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, since since kind of your early days writing uh, up to now, how would you say that your writing process has changed or has it? Have you, uh, you know, always been a plotter? Uh, have you always, you know, an, an architect or, uh, you know, have you been more of a gardener since? Has that changed at all since day one?
1: I, uh, it's funny when people use the gardener term now, I just think of something that my, one of my friends said that I have to be a gardener because it's easier to hide the bodies. Um, (laughs) and in your Um, case, it's true. (laughs) Um, uh, I think, you know, I've always, the terms are really funny and everybody kind of argues about like what terms are more accurate and, and whether they're even useful terms of, of ways to talk about writing, but. I think in the in the way that we tend to think about a pantser, I am pretty much a pantser. I, I don't really plan. So I started rewrite the storm by staring at a blank page and going, I am continuing a generational story. So I have a small amount of understanding about what's going on here. I know who one of my characters is because it's the daughter of this other character that I've already written about. Good. That's a good start. Okay. Uh-huh. um. I've got some of the world because I've already written in it. That's fine. Good, good. I don't know what I'm going to write about now. Um, so I sat down and I thought, I need a really cool uh, opening line for this book. Uh, <laughs> and I just sat there and eventually the original uh, opening line of uh, the self-published version—it's now actually the opening line of the second chapter of the new version—is uh, it's harder to sever a head than people people think. And I went. That was a really cool line <laughs> <laughs> and then i was just like okay who is saying this and why are they saying it and i automatically then had all of these questions that i had about this character this is uh so ra the um uh very honorable exiled warrior um you know why is he doing this and you know okay it's a it's a respectful death right that they do because they believe that it's the way to release the soul okay so who are these people and and so it was just like i'm just just started writing from that point and I didn't know who he was or who his people were when I started writing. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen to them. I didn't know how it was going to end. I just sat down and started writing and just followed through and was like, okay, cool. This is exciting. Let's just keep going with this. Um, But when I sat down to write the third book in this series, I actually did plan for me, quite a lot. It's probably not quite a lot for people who actually plan. It's like (laughs) a couple of sentences per chapter with a couple of notes on arcs. Uh, But it's more than I ever do usually because uh, I needed to know that I could finish the series, you know, like, could tie it up. You know, I didn't want to do what it kind of feels like, you know, George R. R. Martin does where he kind of just kept getting bigger. uh, And I didn't kind of know how to bring it back without just sort of hacking plot limbs off by killing people. Uh, So I didn't want to get to that stage. I wanted to be sure that I was heading in the right direction of finishing this in four books without them having to get like this fat. So I, I actually sat down and kind of planned what made sense so i still have no idea what's happening in the fourth book i have very vague <laughs> ideas about what's happening in the fourth book because i haven't started writing it yet but when i started the third one i actually yeah, sat down and made a plan and i actually pretty much stuck to it i am impressed with myself because when the only time i tried to plan i did this once i tried to plan a first book i tried to i, I tried i really tried and it ended <laughs> up about 99 percent different has five or six extra point of view characters that hadn't been there before and and had a completely different tone. Wow. So I gave <laughs> up planning first books, but planning later books I find to be useful because I can just extrapolate from the characters and the situations that I've got rather than feeling like I'm making something up out of whole cloth and that it works better for me.
0: Oh, gosh, gotcha. well. Um, so yeah. obviously, uh, you know, we Ride the storm has been out, uh, for a while now in, in ebook. Um, and then, you know, they're re-releasing, obviously the paperback version, uh, with a brand new cover that they did for orbit uh, on June 23rd. Uh, do you also have audio rights, uh, for your, for your series, either your, or all seven or maybe just the four for reborn or is that coming later? Do you know? So. Um-
1: Orbit is doing an, an audiobook. book. Uh, it should be out on the same date that the paperback comes out. As far as I'm aware, I haven't heard that there have been any uh, delays with that. I have heard all of the narrators do their samples and they are amazing. Ooh. Uh, so, haven't heard the finished thing. Uh, I am super excited to to do so though. So, there's definitely going to be an audiobook of We Ride the Storm. I, I don't have the audio rights to the prequel trilogy anymore because Albert bought those when they bought the books. Um, but as far as I'm aware, they are not planning at this point to do audiobooks for those um, because they're doing them more as... Uh, like ebook re-releases, you can get them in paperback, but they're not doing like full bookstore distribution and stuff for those ones because they have already been out for a while. So they're kind of like little side things. So they're they're dropping all of those um, on the 4th of August um, as, you know, a, a whole package. Um, So yeah, hopefully we will see uh, audiobooks for all of the books in the reborn empire series but it does happen occasionally when audiobooks don't sell particularly well uh, where they decide to cut losses and don't produce them. So you know that will be kind of a bit dependent. Uh, I'm really hoping that the audio given that the narrators are so amazing will be popular and people will really enjoy it and hopefully we'll get to hear the whole series but I, I I don't know. I don't get to make <laughs> the, the financial decisions, I'm afraid.
0: I gotcha. Are there gonna be multiple narrators or is it just gonna be one uh four yes,
1: it is three? Yeah, we have three mm-hmm. separate narrators, one for each of the first person point of view characters, uh which is really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. and actually do. they'll have to add a fourth. <laughs> if they do, if they do the second book, they'll have to add a fourth because there's a, a fourth point of view character added in the second book onwards. So that'll be exciting.
0: Can you reveal who they are?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well for anybody who has uh read the book and understands who I'm talking about, it is uh Dashiva Ajaravan. Okay.
0: Do you uh do you know who the, the audiobook narrators are? Can you can you release that information? Oh, yeah.
1: I, I I do. I do. Uh I don't want to mess up their names though. <laughs> so you'll have to like give me a moment you're good to bring them up so i don't i really just don't want to embarrass myself on like live chat okay hold on it's in my pinned tweet so i can find it easily like a superstar that i am i am such a superstar okay so miko is being played by catherine chin uh cassandra being played by barry krennic and uh, i think that's how you say her last name and rob being played by uh faja Al-Kaisi. okay that's how you say his name i'm terrible <laughs> at pronouncing names <laughs> but he sounds amazing oh he's Everybody said all the friends that i shared the samples with said uh that's um the raz was just just spectacular so
0: fantastic yeah those are those are all new names to me I, i've started listening to a lot more audiobooks here uh over the past several months just just because of timing <laughs> like trying to trying to get all these you know books read your review copies and stuff just it, it's very time consuming so yeah like throwing in headphones while i'm mm-hmm. working just makes it a little easier so yeah I'll, I'll have to check it out as well when it comes out i kind of like to read the book and then listen to the audiobook and just helps me make sure that i actually caught everything
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah well you know how Things look. I, I listened to um, the Winnowing Flame" series uh, by Jen Williams because the audio is just amazing. And then I realized that whenever I wanted to talk about it to to recommend it to people, I didn't know how to spell anything because I hadn't looked at the books. So I, fortunately, I actually have the books on my shelf as well, and so I could come and check the spelling of everything. Um, so, but otherwise, I would have just looked like an idiot. Like, I don't know how to <laughs> say Julia.
0: Oh goodness. Um all right, and so uh last question for you. So for the for the people who have read uh We Ride the Storm. Wow, I can't talk right now. What's oh, going on? Um <laughs> can uh without spoiling anything, can you talk a little bit about what to expect in book 2, which will be coming out? I don't even know the release date for that one yet. What's the release date for book 2? Uh
1: like it's like January, but like the 20 somethingth <laughs> of January. <laughs>
0: I'm, so, I'm I still watching our book release dates now. They're they're all over the place.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll remember it. I, I even occasionally mess up the one for We Ride the Storm and say it's the 21st <laughs> of June. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's the 23rd and the 25th. Ah! Look, all odd days are obviously all the same. I think it's yeah. like the 21st or something, but it'll be whichever is the Tuesday that's the early 20 something of January. Of, uh, yeah, January. So I don't know. That's what I got for you. Um, <laughs> so, um, all right. So, without spoilers, let's see. So, it was really kind of interesting, actually. So, for anybody who has read *We Ride the Storm*, you you know you know the kind of note that it ends on, which kind of was uh, you know it, it's the kind of thing that sort of blows the whole plots out of the water uh, and means that I had a whole load of characters when I went into the second book, who have suddenly having to rethink all of their plans uh, and have no idea like how to kind of regroup. So. It was an interesting experience going from um, this book where everything was kind of constantly increasing in intensity and pace and, and everything was going like really steaming, like you're really kind of riding the storm, everything's really steaming toward this this one finish, and then suddenly having these characters who are going, I have to pick myself up and actually try to find a way through this. So in a lot of ways, We Lie With Death is, quieter isn't the right word, it's more personal there's still a lot of awful things that happen there's still a lot of 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 uh you know that the tension and everything is kind of only ramped up by what happens at the end but a lot of while while rewrite the storm has a lot of like big battles and stuff um all of the conflicts that you get in we Lie with death are more personal there's a lot of one-on-one personal conflicts that people are working through um, so it's very kind of tense and and kind of darker and narrower in that regard so in this this kind of breath between two big uh epic badly books we have this this kind of darker more personal uh story um as they kind of trying to regroup after one thing you know kind of went so horrifically wrong that they all had to pick themselves up and, and change direction you know so it's kind of interesting in that regard you know I was worried when I wrote it um, that people wouldn't like it as much because it's not the same you know so it is the same characters and it has the same tone and the same everything but because it's not all the same kind of big battles and and set pieces like that I thought okay people are gonna hate it that it's more more personal, more intense in that regard. And, and it it didn't turn out to be the case and the people who read, you know, the arcs uh, still really enjoyed it. And I have, you know, done work uh, re-editing it for Orbit as well to, you know, make sure that it's the very best that I can do. But it certainly is uh, slightly different to the books on either side of it. So the book three that I just about finished writing now is, is much more like We Ride the Storm than We Lie with Death is. So, you know, the series kind of, fluctuates a bit and and you, know, you follow a bit of a, a, a different aspects of the journey, I guess.
0: I gotcha. So So, so, so badly for book one, not so much badly for yep. book two, very badly for book yeah.
1: three. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of, it's like, it's like badly and then like intensely personal and oh my god, you didn't just do that in, <laughs> in, in book two and then both of those lay it on top of each other for book three.
0: That's a good sell. You should use that like as a, as yeah. a seller for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh I have goodness. no
1: idea about before. Uh,
0: uh, so again, just add that a little bit. Uh, badly, not so much badly. Yeah. Badly in this, and then I have no idea. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'll, I'll just keep increasing the tension up there somewhere.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, well, this has been an amazing chat, Devin, and I really appreciate you coming on so early in the morning, uh, and and talking with me about your, uh, (laughs) re-release, we'll say your Orbit fantasy debut, uh, We Ride the Storm. So again, it is currently out in ebook, uh, but it will be releasing in paperback and uh audiobook on june twenty third, which is a Tuesday. (laughs) And uh and we obviously all anxiously await it. Um and as far as following you so you can find you on Twitter at Devin Madsen and also your website Mm -hmm. devinmadsen.com and do you have much of a presence on Goodreads? I mean, you can find you on Goodreads as well.
1: I occasionally I, I review and mostly ignore it because it's better for my sanity never to read reviews. <laughs> I,
0: I, I've had to talk to a couple authors you know, up, down off the cliff <laughs> about, about reading their Goodreads reviews. It's uh, it's just not a great yep. place. Honestly, it's not even a great they're, place for- They're not viewers, but.
1: Like they're really just not for me, you know, like there's nothing I can do about the book that you just read. There is nothing I can do about this. If you don't like it, I can't fix Sorry. it for you. It's out. It's done. it's done. So there's no point in me reading what you didn't like about it. You know?
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, well, thanks again. And, uh, I wish you luck with, uh, with the upcoming release, uh, in just about 24 days and uh, obviously we'll all be looking forward to book two as well uh coming in january of 2021 and uh and then the re -re the re-release of the vengeance trilogy in august uh it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing and just congratulations again on you know the deal with orbit and all the success that's coming your way and uh and just thanks again for uh taking the time to come chat with me so we'll uh we'll have to do this again sometime or maybe we'll see if we can't scrimmage you know scrimmage around some more panels again that'll be a lot of fun
1: That was was really good fun. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.
1: Yeah, you too. Thanks.